Hello, and welcome to episode 192 of the End Focus podcast. I'm your irregular host, Andrew Brown, and we are joined by our regular co-hosts, Tori Wassenaar and Rosalie, the little record girl. Hello, you two. How are you? Hello, hello. Hello. So it's been a pretty slow week. Uh, we're in that lull between uh, major early year releases and when we start getting hit in the summer with those big stuff. So let's just go ahead and jump right in with our updates from previous episodes. So a couple months back, I was talking about Disco Elysium, the final cut. I was hesitant to give more than a preliminary description of the game because it's it's a long game. It took me well over 30 hours to finish all of it. And it's a complicated game. I've since finished it, so I'm going to give my final thoughts. This is one heck of a game. I got to give it that. I find myself tempted to rate it differently with how much I liked it versus how much uh, of an accomplishment the game actually is because just the sheer amount of, of writing and the way the story changes based on the choices you make is very impressive but at the end of the day i didn't enjoy this as much as i hoped i would and the large part of that was how long i got stuck uh trying to progress this the main investigation the main murder investigation in the story from moving forward uh one of the first things you have to do is you have to get the body of the man who's been murdered down out of a tree where it's been hung. And it took me a really long time to do this, like 20 plus hours, more than two thirds of the way through the time it took me to finish the game to get the tree down. Cause there, there are actually very few ways to really do this. And I kept pressing on with the character I wanted to build focused more on the, the kind of emotive, skills that you can build up that by after a few hours of pumping points into my inland empire and my shivers stats my character was basically psychic uh was constantly getting like ideas and premonitions of what the characters were really up to as as i'm interrogating them and also just getting these flashes of things that are going on elsewhere in the city really interesting stuff but ultimately not all that helpful towards actually getting the damn body down out of the tree. <laughs> Finally, after I had basically done everything that there was to do, I finally just started pursuing more of the obvious things that would get the body down out of the tree, and then I got it down uh, in pretty short order. So my, my difficulty really was that I was being too stubborn at trying to commit to the character I wanted to play uh, versus the goals I was trying to accomplish because the goals I was getting done were really in line with what my character was being built as. But if I wanted to solve the murder, then I could have done that. I just had to actually work on skills and work on corners of the world that would actually let me do that. But I was very boneheadedly only investing stats into those two stats I thought were most interesting versus stats that would help me finish the game. Once I got over myself and started putting stats into things that would help me continue the investigation, I very quickly picked it up again, got the body down out of the tree, and it was smooth sailing to the end of the game from there 10-15 hours later. Very interestingly built game. It's just I, I assumed that it would be 
a lot more open than it really is. There are a few things in the game that you can really only accomplish, including reaching the ending, if you do very specific things that require very specific skill sets. You can't just build your psychic detective and expect that to take you to the win because, as I discovered, quite frankly, it just won't work. <laughs> so I was a little disappointed with it in that regard, but I'm sure if I started the game over and I actually built a detective uh, focused on the investigation, which is what I, I really ultimately wanted to do in the end, even though I didn't build a character who could do that, I probably would have enjoyed the game a lot more. But mostly I just found myself frustrated with it through most of my playtime. Brilliantly written game, brilliantly constructed game, amazing design going on here. I can't even imagine all the interconnected lines of, of logic going on behind the scenes, if they even I hope they mapped that thing out if they if they uh, made it work as well as they did or if they just did it all intuitively even more incredible the way I chose to play it was not the most fun way to play the game for me so that's my final thoughts on Disco Elysium yeah I always fancied it but the price point put me off a little bit it is a full-priced game uh yeah. and yeah like I said, it's a 30-40 hour game for me to finish it, and that is 100% talking. There's not a lot visually going on in this game. <laughs> like, you'll talk to characters and all their dialogue is fully voiced, and all the narration is fully voiced, which is great. But it just shows up in this little box that shows up on the right third of the screen, and then the rest of the game world is just this image on the left. And I could be talking to people talking to characters for half an hour to an hour at a time to hear everything they had to say and there's just nothing going on in the game world it's just all text so you got to be prepared for that all right so let's move on to our latest switch news It's appropriate that uh, the past couple episodes we've actually mentioned fall guys not always in the brightest light because uh, especially me specifically, I, I often called it out for how uh, it's a, a premium game. It costs money. Well, not anymore, because uh, in June 21st, Fall Guys will be released on Switch and all other platforms as a free-to-play game, which I think is the best possible move Fall Guys could make at this point. Because if they if they tried to launch it, I think, at 20 bucks USD, uh, I think it would be a pretty epic bomb on Switch. I think this is the right choice. Are either of you excited to play this? Um, I played it um, when it released uh, originally for free on uh, PlayStation Plus, and it was very, very fun, but even then I was like, I would much prefer this on the Switch. It just has this kind mm -hmm. of very bright, colorful, fun almost Nintendo-like charm. I think you would play more if you had it portably rather than um, on your big TV because it does get a bit tedious when uh, you play certain levels over and over again. <laughs> um, but I've also heard that if you've played it since the beginning or quite far back and if you bought it, you get like a legacy pack where you get some skins and things that mm. not everybody else has got. So that's nice. But yeah, I'm excited to see what it's like on the Switch. I'm hoping for maybe a Mario and the Ouija skins and Hopefully they can license out more Nintendo things, because that'd be really cute. We'll see. I'm expecting anything that would be available would be have parity across platforms. So mm. I'm skeptical that would happen, but it still could. 
Yeah, it's going to be cross-platform and cross-progression, I believe. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that makes that sort of thing. Nintendo really don't like doing that. Um, like with Fortnite. Um, I think even Rocket League. There are some Nintendo skins that just don't show up on other platforms if you use them. Ah. <laughs> Do they just show up as just like a gray car or something? I think so. Just like a default car. <laughs> <laughs> that's so petty it really yeah. is uh i played this when it first came out on pc and i loved it and then the first sort of content drop hit and i just the novelty wore off very quickly hmm. um great game but it, it's not a game that i can see myself i tend to have one game as my live service game and mm-hmm. there's just nothing in four guys that really wants me to come back to play regularly i think we are going to introduce a make your own level um type thing you know kind of like mario maker which i think would be really interesting and make like maybe make me more keep at it and get bored of it quite quickly so that would be really interesting seems like it would be a short-lived concept for me like i'm the same way as tori i really only have enough attention in my life for one live service game at a time if that so I, I played Fortnite for a summer. I played it for almost 200 hours, uh, finishing the battle pass. And then I haven't played it since because I like to do other things. <laughs> I, I played Fortnite before it even was a battle royale online game. And so I'm like, I'm like old school. <laughs> to be fair, actually, it was, it, it was a lot better than what we have now. But anyway, oh. <laughs> I was really interested in zombie survival sandbox Fortnite. yep but i wasn't willing to pay money just to get into the beta test for it and then then the free-for-all battle royale game came out and that's what Fortnite is now like yeah i was i was very lucky one of the the devs sent me a code way back mm, so mm. um that was really cool but i yeah i'm the same i usually I, I do actually usually stick to one online game and i'm trying to keep it to well actually I'm not playing one. It's it's between Dead by Daylight and Splatoon too. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of I kind of go back to either one at the moment. Yeah, Dead by Daylight was the last one I was trying to play, and I just I just lost interest after a while. I if there's going to be something, like, just that play every day thing, even if it's really short, like twenty minutes to half an hour, that's still something I could be putting towards a game that I'm trying to finish, and I always prioritize that first. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, unfortunately, my current live service game is Fortnite, so i can't yeah <laughs> well i still think Fortnite is great like i i have no resentment about it at all it's just the sheer amount of time it was taking up every day i wasn't having time to play anything else and as i just said i prioritize finishing games versus playing my live service games so i just i just dropped Fortnite because i didn't want to spend the rest of my life playing it yeah, my, my partner's gone back to playing Fortnite on, and I just hear he's got an emote that's the Macarena. Yeah. <laughs> so I, every morning I just hear that blasting through the living room and I'm like, what's the 90s again? What was going on? <laughs> so much of it just appeals to millennials now. I have um, noticed that. Hey. Like street, street fighter skins and things, which the models are actually really good. I wasn't actually suspecting that they'd look that good. Yeah, there. I've seen a few of the premium skins they put out that I've been like, oh, that's kind of fun. I should just drop back in just to get that. Then I think about it a little more. I was like, wait, no. 
that skin is probably twenty dollars. Yep. It doesn't come yep. with the battle pass, which is what I, I my first thought is. I love the Fortnite battle pass, but uh, I'm probably not going to be able to fly around as the Mandalorian just from the battle pass. <laughs> I don't think you can get the Mandalorian because they lock certain skins behind the battle mm-hmm. pass. Yeah, he was and just I think he was a battle pass uh, character. So, oh, okay. Well, and because that season passed, that's it. You can't get him. That's <sighs> my one gripe another reason i don't come back is there's too much fomo now so many things i was like oh i really <laughs> like that oh i can't get that anymore well never mind then <laughs> yeah just like running around as mary jane now we're talking about fortnite instead of fall guys so <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about free-to-play games next up uh nso update is out for the nintendo 64 library version 2.3.0 which is included the edition of Kirby 64, The Crystal Shards. I played this when I was 12, and I haven't played it since. Uh, do either <laughs> of you have any memories of this game? This is one of the few Kirby games I haven't played. So Yeah, same. Gonna have to get stuck into it. It does have some cool thoughts in it. Like, uh, you can actually combine two of Kirby's, Kirby's powers together to create a new power and there are a few doors that you can only get through the only problem is you have to play the level to find what those doors are so there's a, there's a bit of repetitiveness in that and then then the obstacle is you know getting through the level with that combined power up to open that door without losing the power up along the way so that's where the the main challenge of finishing it beyond just beating the game is and i just didn't have time to do it because i had it on a rental but i didn't have any problem <laughs> Just, just plowing through the base game. I finished it in a couple of days. Yeah, I'm excited to play it because I think it was just one of those things that was too expensive as a kid. So I didn't. There were things that were more important at the time, like Banjo Kazooie. So it just kind of yeah. fell off my radar <laughs> a little bit. So it'd be good to catch up on the Kirby that I've missed. I didn't have a N64 growing up. I was one console generation behind. So I jumped straight mm. from a Super Nintendo to an original Xbox. That oh. was like my catch-up phase. So <laughs> N64, I had to play at a neighbor's house. Um, they didn't have this game. They had Mario Kart, and uh, I think that was it. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have Smash Brothers? Man. They might have. Hope yeah, my, so. f- my first Smash Brothers was actually Brawl, believe it or not. Oh. <gasps> I do believe that, one. actually. Brawl is the best-selling one in the series, so I totally believe that. <laughs> I think I've, Melee is still the most hours I've played for any game ever. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> good good times. I don't think any game I have could rival World of Warcraft with just the sheer amount of hours I've sunk <laughs> into it. And oh, I only man. played World of Warcraft for six, maybe eight years off and on, and I still, like, when I was playing it, I was playing it. <laughs> that was all I did. I think Team Fortress 2 is my biggest time sink. Mm. And, uh, it's before like, or after it went free to play? Uh, before. Nice. Um, hang on, I'm just looking up the number because <laughs> it's a big number. <laughs> if I can ever get back into World of Warcraft without having to pay money to do it, uh, I totally want to add up all the playtime across all my characters because I'm sure it's just an absolutely mortifying number that speaks to 
how much of my life I wasted in, in my 20s. <laughs> All right. TF2 was 1,186 hours. Wow. That's a lot, but I, I'm not lying. I have, My World of Warcraft playtime has that trounced, I'm sure, I at least five times it. that in World of Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> I know of my main character, my main priest, I had multiple months of total playtime on it. Well over a thousand hours. Anyway, mm. uh, Skyrim Anniversary Edition has reportedly been rated for Switch, which is, uh, you know, weird because plenty of us have been asking for Fallout New Vegas, please. Uh, and they've already put out Skyrim in year one. Uh, for me, it was a personal highlight of the Switch's launch year. Mm-hmm. And I played the heck out of it, almost 200 hours. And the Anniversary Edition, it adds a fishing minigame. And it also added add-on support. That was that was the big thing for it. Uh, but that was only for next-gen, what well, at the time were next-gen consoles. So... Is that what we might be getting from this if it comes out on Switch again? Do we think that's going to happen? I have no idea. It just might be a repackage. Yeah, like if it's literally just the fishing minigame, big whoop. (laughs) And if it is just the fishing minigame, I hope it's just a a free patch for people who already own it. I think Skyrim's a great game. I'm not at all on board with the people who just roll their eyes at Skyrim now. I still think it's great. But I have already owned it, and I've already played the heck out of it on Switch. I really don't need another version of it right now. Give me Morrowind. I'd play that. Like, uh, I have it on Xbox, and I, I didn't really get into it. Morrowind is a game that you want to play on PC with mods at this point. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, like, the way that the combat works is very clunky. And the the quest log, or the lack thereof. <laughs> I personally loved that when I was a kid. Because it meant that I mm. everything was logged in the journal. You just had to read yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's but true. it did make finding like the directions were literally like uh, go three rocks down this path and turn left when you <laughs> see this tree and that that sort of vague directions. Which I I don't think I'd be able to do today. But when I was a kid, <laughs> I played this month like a month straight. You know, twenty years ago, twenty five years ago now. No. 20, yeah. 20 years ago for Morrowind. Uh, that was a different time. You know, like yeah. we individually, we had more times to play games. And also, mm-hmm. there were fewer games back then. Like, it's not like today where we are just, like, seriously, we are in a golden age of gaming right now. But back then, like, you know, you had Morrowind, and that would that would be the game you'd have for a few months. You'd be set. It wasn't yeah. like next week there's the next game coming out that you got to play now. <laughs> you'd buy a game, and that that's your life mm-hmm. for the next couple weeks. Yeah. yeah. All right, so speaking of which, uh, let's move on to what we played this week. Tori, you've been playing Unrailed. That sounds a little dirty. What is that? (laughs) A little dirty. Um, Well, it's absolutely not that kind of game. Don't worry. It's a. I'm sorry, Andrew. It's a a party game. Um, I like to describe Mm. this as the sort of spinning plates kind of party game. Right, right, right. Um, You have a train that moves automatically and you have to gather resources, namely wood and stone, to build more track as it's moving. Oh, so this is like that Wallace and Gromit gif where he's building the train as the train is moving. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, actually. Um, it's got this sort of very blocky... Um, I don't want to say Minecraft, but it looks like... You know the promo art for Minecraft where everything is much smoother than the actual mm. textures in the game? That's what it's reminiscent of. It's just... Uh, everything's made out of cubes and rectangle prisms and stuff. You... Get given a set amount of tools. You got your axe to cut down trees. You got your pickaxe to cut, um, cut, uh, mine rock. You have a bucket that you can fill with water to fill the engine before it overheats and explodes and catches on fire. Yeah, that's actually it. The everything else is tied to the train itself. Uh, you got different carriages that do different things. Like you start off with the basic. One that you put your materials in, your wood and your stone. And then that will be used up on another carriage that will uh, build track automatically for you. And you just pick up the track and then take it to the front of the train and keep it going. Um, if you're good enough, you can get the, the rails really far ahead. But uh, it really is just a matter of spinning plates. Because sometimes it'll be a, a matter of the route that you need to take will be blocked by trees or rocks. So you have to mine through and cut through. It's in this sort of isometric perspective and it's grid based. Mm. When you're cutting through things, especially when you're playing with four players, uh, this does have online play by the way, which is great. Uh, when you're playing with multiple players, you want to make a path that's wider Otherwise, you just keep bumping into to each other because you'll have one person... With four players, you might have one person cutting down trees, one person uh, mining rock, and then the other two people are kind of delivering the materials to the train and then building track. Uh, you might divvy up tasks differently. Is there like a system where like you can put up like an icon that says what job you're going to do or anything like that? Um, me and my friends mostly played over voice chat, uh, so oh. I didn't explore anything like that. I didn't see anything like that either. It's just, it's pretty obvious to see what people are doing. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a very clean aesthetic where it's pretty clear to see what people are doing and where and where the materials are, what needs to be cut down and mined through. The art style really does lend itself to readability in that regard. Uh, and it needs to be because it gets really frantic. The train speed increases every checkpoint. Uh, there will be train station checkpoints that you build uh, the rail to. And depending on how well you do, and if you do the bonus challenges, which I'll get into in a little bit, you'll get the golden bolts that you can spend on upgrading these carriages or getting extra ones. Uh, my favorite carriage is always the ghost carriage that lets you walk through it. Mm. Uh, just makes it easier to stop bumping into each other because that's the biggest issue. <laughs> Bonus challenges are basically you might have only one person can pick up the axe or maybe every character has to mine a rock or use exactly this number of track to get to the next station. They're fun little things. If you fail them, it's no big deal. If you uh, succeed, you get an extra bolt that um, you can spend on upgrading, which will just make things easier, like building track faster or the materials one will um, hold more. 
there's a really strange one where you can attach animals like cows or camels to the train and all I can't remember what it did actually off the top of my head <laughs> it, it gave you a passive perk so you, you just have this train with a whole bunch of cows attached to it by leads it's just very silly <laughs> one of the upgrades that you can get is to upgrade the actual engine itself and when you upgrade the engine it'll actually push you to the next level or biome uh, typically it just starts on like fields uh, the second one is usually the wild west which is really cool yeah, i was and gonna the- ask about that like how, how the campaign is structured is like do you just start from level one every time you start a new game and you just see how far you can go or is yeah are there like levels little, you actually work through it's a little roguelite in a mm, way okay the only things that you'll unlock that'll stay the same between games or sessions would be skins mm-hmm. and they don't change gameplay it's just a cosmetic item just to show you did something to people you're playing with yeah um yeah. i always play as the penguin characters um we've only got as far as the snow biome uh that gets tricky because the snow will actually slow you down uh it'll build up as well yeah it's it's an ice level but not in a you slide everywhere way it's in a (laughs) snow way so you just get bogged down and can't walk i highly recommend playing this with three or four players it's not a lot of fun with one or two Mm. Um, Sounds like overcooked. <laughs> yeah, it, it is very much a party game. Yeah, um, highly recommend it. Local or online play. I, I've only played it on online. Uh, it's just so much fun. It's frantic though. Um, sometimes I like to play an online game with friends, where you know you get to have a bit of a, a chat and a banter with each other. This is a game where all of the voice chat is focused on the gameplay. <laughs> um, we we pumped up the difficulty to extreme. And just mm. on the first level, it just didn't have enough space to build a track. So we had to <laughs> coordinate. It's really precise. Um, and we, we normally just play on easy or normal. Just because... You know, we want a chill time, but we don't get it. Um, it gets frantic maybe 10 or 15 minutes in. Hmm. The menus are actually quite unique as well because you select things by moving your character to certain buttons. On Like it keeps that isometric view. So to like skip to the next level or to start game or what have you, everybody actually has to physically stand on the start game button. Ugh. Yeah, I think that's the closest thing that we get to, like, telling people what your intentions are, what you want to do without having mm-hmm. voice chat mm-hmm. or button prompts. Uh, I was just remembering, like, when you play Mario Kart online, there's always those one or two people that just never vote and they just sit there. <laughs> I was just imagining that situation applied to this. It was like, are you going to come make a choice? Or are you just going to stand there wasting our time? Well, that's the interesting thing is that uh, in the shop, you get three carriage upgrades, three new carriage carriages, and mm. then one new engine. 
and it's all randomized for the um, for the first two options. But anybody can just pick up the carriage and then place it on the train. Oh no! <laughs> so playing this with randoms, I don't think there is an option to play with randoms. I could be wrong. I I don't look at uh. that stuff usually. But make sure that you're playing with friends that you know want to win. <laughs> I guess. But it, it's just fun to see how far you can get. Um, like I said, it's frantic fun. Uh, it's not a game that I can play every day with friends. But mm. when I do play it, like maybe once a week or once every two weeks, it's it's been so much fun. I mean, who who doesn't like trains? <laughs> no, yeah, that sounds like a good time. Uh, I've been playing Star Renegades. It's a strategy RPG about an army that moves not from planet to planet or from continent to continent. No, this army moves from dimension to dimension, conquering everything along the way, literally conquering entire universes. And there's this probe that this scientist has made that can move ahead of the army to the next dimension. It's going to evade. The probe is called J5TN or something. It's Justin. Uh, And it acts as a warning to the dimension that's going to be invaded that this army is on the way and you should do something about it. So I play as the same group of characters in each dimension. And if I succeed in saving that dimension by defeating the army and pushing them away, then I've saved that dimension. Good for me. Uh, But the army is interdimensional. So they always exist and they're always moving on to the next dimension. So if I win or if I lose, I always move on to the next dimension. It's a roguelike kind of game. That's how that works. <laughs> I have to fight my way across three planets using my little squad of units that I've chosen. They're the Star Renegades, hence the name of the game. I get a certain number of turns I can move each day across the different world maps, and I can find like extra credits or extra equipment or little stations I can use to upgrade my shield or my armor on my characters. At the end of every day, they can camp out and they can give each other like little support upgrades. Like again, you can upgrade their shields and things like that. And uh, But the more important part of the game is the combat, which happens in almost every square of the map as I'm moving around in each day. So each day I'm doing at least three fights and most of the game I actually do spend in these fights because they're quite long and quite involved. Uh, It's all about controlling time. Uh, Each character's move is displayed on this little bar that stretches across the top of the screen and if you attack a unit, one of the enemy units, and your hit strikes first then that will be a critical hit. And that will add extra effects to it, like it might deal extra damage, or it might damage their armor. Or the more important thing it can do is it might actually knock their attack further back. And you can even uh, stack these knockback effects onto certain units to completely knock their turn over into the next turn. That's where most of the strategy of the game comes from, is trying to do this. It's called breaking. There will be quite often where a unit is going to use an attack that is just going to completely wipe you out deals quite a lot of damage and you have to delay that as long as you can while also dealing with everything else going on in the battle it's a lot like spinning plates 
with every planet you go to, you add a new star renegade to your party. You start off with three in your party. By the last planet, you'll have five total. And the enemy parties will also grow in number as you go through, which significantly increases the difficulty and also the amount of thought and strategy you have to put in because literally every single move you make pretty much becomes the difference between life and death by the end of the game. I've only completed one successful campaign, but that's because I've been really been been pushing myself to just to see everything the game really has to offer versus just, you know, beating it over and over on the default difficulty. So that that's I think where most of my problem has been at. And there's a macro game being a, a roguelite style game. Uh, every enemy you defeat gives you like credits or tokens. I, I wasn't entirely sure what they were, but you, you can spend them on uh, like new items that will spawn randomly in your future runs. Uh, more importantly, you can uh, get intel for defeating uh, lieutenants and captains in the army or their behemoths, which are the bosses that you fight at the end of every planet. And you can actually use those to unlock all new star renegades that might appear in future runs. And then there's also progeny when you do those campout sessions at the end of uh, every turn on the map when you use abilities between two characters then their relationship will grow if you do that enough then they become soulmates and then you'll unlock their progeny so now when you go on future runs you can actually use their offspring and these are either all new characters or they're new variations on the characters you already have that have different abilities or different statistics uh, a lot of that to uh, unlock uh, on how long to beat it says for 100% completion it's a 20 hour game that is a flat out lie whoever got that put on there they are fooling themselves and everybody else this is not a game you're going to complete in 20 hours there's just too much to unlock and i've really had a great time with it and uh, i think if you're into strategy rpgs or into roguelites that are more focused on turn-based combat and tactics and strategy i think you'd have a good time with it i enjoyed star renegades and i recommend it and rosalie you've been playing mario party superstars uh that's supposed to be the first time Nintendo's really nailed online play. How have you been getting on with it? Yeah, I haven't had a chance to play the um, online mode yet. I will, I will, but I've been playing it with my partner and kind of with family and stuff instead. Mm -hmm. um, but I've been really enjoying it. Um, it came out just at the end of last year. Um, I was a bit hesitant at first because I have the first Mario Party that came out on the Switch and I wasn't a huge <laughs> fan personally, um, especially because you were forced to only use Joy-Cons. You couldn't use uh, Switch Pro controllers, which I still think is a very weird choice. But you can in Superstars. So that was instantly something that caught my attention. Um, it's the same developers as Mario Party recently. It's not actually Nintendo. It's their subsidiary ND Cube. Hmm. which for some people is a good thing and some people is a bad thing because notoriously they have made some of the worst Mario Party games um, but they're more famous for Wii Party and Animal Crossing uh, Pocket Camp which is like the mobile game <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, but they also did the Clubhouse um, 51 Worldwide Classics which is probably yeah. one of the better Switch games so it's, they're kind of hit and miss but personally I think this is one of the best Mario Party games there's been in a very very long time 
So for me, this one was is definitely a hit. Um, yeah, you get offline play, local play, and online play. Um, but it's very much a love letter to the first three Mario parties. If you ever played them on the N64, then this will bring up a lot of nostalgia. Because when you boot it up, the hub world is exactly the same as the first um, <laughs> Mario Party. You've got the the pipe in the middle and the little shops. And in fact, the cutscene at the start zooms into the pipe and it says, looks familiar, doesn't it? They know what they're doing. They're playing up to your nostalgia. But it's... It, it's really, really fun. There's actually those five boards. Um, there's Yoshi's Tropical Island, which is originally from Mario Party 1. There's hmm. Spaceland, which is from Mario Party 2. Uh, Peach's Birthday Cake, again, from Mario Party 1. Uh, Woody Woods, which is Mario Party 3. And Horrorland, which is Mario Party 2. Is it Woody Woods, is that the wizard one? Yeah, the only thing is they yeah. don't have the alternate outfits oh. that you got. I know, which is I think is a big shame. Um, that was the best part about Mario Party too. <laughs> I know, um, but they still they still play really well, and it's the nostalgia. It's so great, even without the nostalgia, I still think they're really really fun, and they're a huge step up from the boards from the first Mario Party that came out in the Switch. Um, mm. There's none, no unlockables on this one. Oh. Uh, but I am secretly hoping for a DLC pack like we're seeing with Mario Kart that maybe they might add like a wave like of, of boards that will be added <laughs> to the Nintendo Switch. Online. I think that's maybe hoping for too much. I just uh, got to wait five years to find out. Well, there's that, yeah. Um, <laughs> but oh, it's so... It's really, really cool. The, the best addition to this one is there's stickers which kind of work like emotes. So while you're playing a game... Uh, each character has their own emote. So if you're like Rosalina, you have her being excited or her being sad that you can play. Um, but there's ones that you can unlock in Toad's shop and buy, and some of them are absolutely hilarious. There's like a squid that makes a noise, and it just says, but why? And that's very good to play if someone's stealing your stars or your coins or something. Um, there's Toad that just says, good game, and it's really like pedantic, and it's one of our favourites that we just like to use all the time. And yeah, like I said before, you can use any additional controllers, which is really, really handy. You can also, there's Kamek Shop, where you can um, select the different music to play. So you can pick between the newest renditions of the board music, or you can actually play the N64 versions while you're playing a board. Um, and yeah, it's just, if you're looking for a wee game to play with your friends and you have a lot of fond memories of the original Mario Party games, there is no reason why you shouldn't get it, to be honest. Well, I'm just tired of Mario Party. Oh, really? Oh, no, I love Mario Party. <laughs> I've been tired of Mario Party for 20 years. <laughs> I think my last favorite one was the first one that was on the 3DS. Mm. Not the Island Tour, the one before that. Um so it's been a while since I've actually really liked a new Mario Party. And this is one that's going to take a lot of boxes for me. Uh, apart from the characters, there's not many characters you can select from, which is a bit rubbish. But uh, no, I love Mario Party. I'm just hoping they add a bit more to it, but I don't think, I think we're more likely to get yet another one than we are to get DLC. But there you go. That seems likely. It depends on if they want to include it as part of their expansion pack part of nso i guess which yeah that's like what i was why hoping they did they the... do yeah um because there's so many mini games and boards that they still have to choose from from those 
original Mario Party games. Nothing seems to be yeah. off the table if they included that one that made everyone need gloves to play in the 90s. <laughs> oh, well, because of that, uh, yeah, speaking of, so yeah, back in the day there was lots of, um, there was like a lawsuit because uh, children were injuring themselves by um, using the palm of their hands to yep. rotate the joystick. Um, some of those mini I games, absolutely did. Yeah, some of those <laughs> mini games are in this one. Wow. But there is a disclaimer when you, when, when you load up the mini game that says, do not use the palm of your hand, <laughs> which... Uh, is, is well, them hoping not to get sued again. We used the palm of our hand because that was the only way to win the dang thing. I know, exactly. <laughs> you probably could do it now with rubber, rubberized yeah, joysticks. Yeah, well, if you go back to those Nintendo 64 joysticks, those joysticks sucked. Like, I, yeah. I, I, When I hold one of those controllers now, I'm like, God, how did I play with this thing? Yeah, it, it's probably quite a bit easier today. For legal purposes, I don't actually encourage you to try with the rubberized joysticks because mm-hmm. Nintendo please don't, don't sue us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just going to tie like a string to my Joy-Con and then just spin it around in the air really fast that should work <laughs> oh, yeah build a robot well it's funny with that mini game it's when you're doing the tug of war and you're if it's mm-hmm. 1v3 one of you's Bowser I think in the original minigames, they literally would just cut off the model of your character. So say you're Yoshi and just kind of stuck it onto the model of Bowser. And it always looked really funny. But now it's like a little it's like a little costume that you're in because Aww. obviously the graphics are a lot better. And it kind of is like, oh, that's what they were thinking of back in the day. It just didn't really translate well. Um, but oh, see, see, playing the one where you're in the little... Um, you have to follow the outline of the character. And then if you're right, it kind of pops out of the ground. My partner didn't know that you weren't meant to do like the eyes. It was just like the outline. So he was like, why isn't it working for me? And it was, his thing was all over the place. And I was like, ah, I am the expert at this one. <laughs> it was, it's just so fun to play those mini games again because they're still so brilliant. I'd like to play a Mario Party game that's a mix of Mario Party and NES Remix. Oh, what happened to NES Remix? They just quit making it. I don't know why. I finally bought the 3DS version physically a couple months ago. Maybe I'll play it someday. I should add that back to the Switch. It should just be part of the NES app. Oh, yeah, Honestly. that'd be cool. There's a lot of weird decisions for the Switch we just haven't done yet. <laughs> Including waiting for a Game Boy Color and Game Boy games and Game Boy Advance games. I just want Wario Land on Switch, please. <laughs> I miss those games. Mario Golf for Game Boy Color. I'll, t- I'll play that. Oh, I liked Mario Tennis for Game Boy Color. That was just like a JRPG that happened to be tennis. It was great. Well, that's what Mario Golf was. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. I missed that one. <laughs> so that's what everyone is dying for whenever they release a new one and they're like, but it's nothing like what I want. They want a, J- a JRPG. Yeah. Not run to the ball hit the ball run to the ball <laughs> yeah yeah we I, I don't think you were there i don't think you listened to that episode rosalie uh mm-hmm. we were not fans of the most recent mario golf game <laughs> no i I, don't, I think most people would uh, yeah. share those thoughts <laughs> <laughs> oh so i was like i didn't buy it because i i normally you know i play video games because i'm not into sports Mm. Uh, so unless it is something like a cool GRPG look on it, I'm I'm not gonna buy it. The weeks leading up to it coming out, both Andy and Andrew were telling me, "Oh, you should get it, doesn't it? It'll be good." 
<laughs> Rub it in, why don't you? Then it comes out and they both hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I luckily held off. My mounting anger as we recorded that episode even took me by surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Where did that come from? (laughs) Years of simmering disappointment at the Mario Golf series. (laughs) I tried to play the N64 one on the the NSO library, and I'm like, wow, I'm just really bad at this. I think video game golf is the only good golf. It's a lot faster. I, I would agree, but if any of my family are listening to this, and <laughs> because they're Scottish and they're literally all obsessed with golf, I can't officially say that because they might disown me. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like the concept just in practice. Oh no, I've been dragged to real golf courses, and it's the most boring thing ever. So yeah, <laughs> if they can make a a JRPG out of it again, then I'll. Well, saying that, there's there's um, Curse to Golf coming out, which I'm excited mm. for. But that's kind of about it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a sport where the goal is to play as little of it as possible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what are we playing in the coming week? Rosalie, let's we'll start with you. Yeah, mine's got a really funny name. Um, it's Yuppie Psycho Executive Edition. It is okay. a survival horror game, and you're it's your first day in a new job, and you think things are normal, and then they're suddenly not. I actually saw this is another game where I saw someone playing it on YouTube, and I went, oh, and it popped <laughs> up on sale on the eShop, and I was like, well, I love horror, so I'm actually gonna properly give it a go. No, I was saying quite excited because the artwork and the sprite work is really, really cool looking. Um, so I'm really excited to like properly get into it. Although I have had a lot of it spoiled for me because I've sat and watched a few hours of it. <laughs> but hey ho! It sounds like the Devil Wears Prada meets American Psycho. Yeah, yeah. Are, well, that's that's a very good mix up. So, <laughs> uh, Tori, I see Markdown for no comment. That's fine. <laughs> I'm sure Tori will show up with something fun. And I'm going to play a first-person parkour ninja assassination game called Ghost Runner. I played the demo last summer, actually almost exactly a year ago now at this point, and I was impressed with it, so I I pre-ordered the physical version, and I haven't got around to playing it until now. It is tough to play on controller. I, yeah, yeah. We'll talk Uh, about that. I had to play on keyboard (laughs) and mouse, yeah. Um, yeah. I actually do have a game I'm playing this week. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, I finally got uh, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl for a good price. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to be giving that a go. I'm interested to see what you think, because I really want it, but I keep holding off. It doesn't look like it's got a campaign of any sort. No, no, it's just the fights, which is why I, I ended up not getting it. Yeah, um... We'll, we'll see. This will be a complicated one because I, I usually don't play fighting games other than Smash. Thanks for listening to this episode of End Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X. 
be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube and at GamePodular.com for updates, news and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular patron. The details for both things are on our website. Thanks! This episode was edited by Andrew and you can follow them at Twitter at PlayCritically or follow his long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com You can follow Tori at STW2 on Twitter or at twitch.tv slash ToriSTW or you can follow me at Little Record Girl. That's L-I-L Record Girl.